have a seat, guys. Is that it? We're good to go? Oh, we've got kids that are going to go. Steve, was, was, is he supposed to do it or am I? I am. Lord, bless our kids as they go and bless their teachers. May they learn that which you have. Bless you guys. Amen. Amen. Bert, you're not good. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Young at heart. Young at heart, Bert. I know that. Very, very good. Um, yeah. Um, as they're going out, did everybody grab one of these as you kind of scuttled in? I mean, you don't have to take one. Um, I just put a little reminder, you know, like God has definitely put on my heart that we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And you've seen there's some Bible average reading times, you know, like what does it take to read through a book of the Bible just to try to encourage you, um, encourage, exhort, um, kick in the pants, you know, one of those things, um, just when we think we don't have enough time. So just a, an encouragement for that. And on the other side are going to be some verses we're going to be looking at. So hold on to those. Um, we're going to get to those verses. I'm going to have Christine read them as we go. Um, uh, and that being said, um, it was touching. I think Christine brought it up a little bit. Today is Pentecost Sunday, we call it, right? And in Israel... Today, well, over the last couple days actually, but you know, it's considered one a holy day, and it's a it's a feast for them, and it's one of those spring ones that they look forward to. You know, it, it, it represents the the harvest that's coming in, and um, you know, they would have a ceremony and wave loaves of bread, and you know, all of this stuff. It just represents that spring is here, and uh, some of the crops are coming in, and, and especially their, their wheat, their, their grains that are coming in, and that's why they have the, the bread. And, you know, they call it um, uh, uh, Feast of Weeks, um, Shavuot, Shavuot, come on, I can't do it right, go ahead. Shavuot. <laughs> she needs the mic. Anyway, that's... It, it, it's one of those um, things they have, and it's also called the week of weeks. Week of weeks. What does that mean? What is that? What is that? What is a week of weeks according to the Bible? Huh? Okay, harvest. How many days is it? 49. Okay. And, and again, back when we look at if we went back to put ourselves in Egypt and the night of the Passover, in Egypt, you know, it was that night that, man, you want to talk about being put to the test, so to say, or to, I'm totally going to have to trust God in this one. He said, this is what we're supposed to do. He told Moses to tell us, and you know what? The angel of death is going to pass over. In the Passover. And we all know that that happened. And, but what happens after that is significant um, and, and, and for them as well. 
the next day, um, everybody got up. They packed up, left in a hurry, you know, all of the story that, that's behind that. Um, and they would have left to go to the promised land. This 11-day journey is what it would normally take. But it so happens that on day 49 of that 11-day journey, they found themselves at Mount Sinai. What happened at Mount Sinai? Besides it shook and sounds and deep darkness, what happened? The law, the Ten Commandments. And again, for all of us who know, like when we get to the New Testament side of things, the law is a schoolmaster that lets us know that, guys, no matter how good you think you are, you didn't quite measure up. So, that being said, New Testament side of things, on Passover in Jerusalem, Jesus is crucified. Yet, after that, 49 days later, we have Pentecost. The Jews today are reading, they read through the book of Ruth um, because it talks about the harvest and stuff in men if they can only see the significance and what's inside of Ruth that we see with eyes that are unveiled. Amazing, amazing. Yet, on that very same day, 1,400 years later, Spirit was given. And Acts 2 tells us that there was a harvest of many. Of many, many, many. And that which was yet to come. And the Spirit was given, you know, to empower the disciples, uh, the, the apostles. Now they turned into apostles. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 17 says... Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit. If you ever had wonder, like, how does this whole Trinity thing and all that stuff work together? This verse says, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. So... In one instance, we have the law that comes down that puts us to task. And on the other hand, we have that which comes down and frees and liberates. Beautiful, beautiful day. What a great day to remember. Just wanted to put that, that in there. And, uh, and again, even on the communion today, you know, we think about that. And that, um, yeah, I think that's just great. Um, yeah, if you got a Bible, open up to Titus, and you can set it to the side, we're going to, or you can set it in your laps, but we're going to be in Titus, and while you're getting there, I have a question for you, a question, everybody's okay with that, and you know what, I'm looking for an answer, so if you're going to say an answer, I, I want to hear it, I'm, I'm a little deaf, with all of the construction and saws and stuff like that, that I, I mean, America doesn't make you wear earmuffs. They don't. 
you were looked at as a, a sissy if you wore that stuff and all that protection and things. No, you were a man if you didn't. Yeah, I'm paying for it, you know. But that being the case, um, and, and speaking of questions, how many questions do you think Jesus was asked that we see in, well, the New Testament, in, in the Gospels? How many do you think he was asked? That, that are recorded. I know there's umpteen things and words that can be written according to the book of John. But, just a guess. Huh? 70? How many questions was he asked? Huh? About 183, give or take, depending on who's reading and who's... Huh? Yeah, a jar of jelly beans. There you go. Um, about 183, they, they reckon. How many did he answer directly? I'm asking a direct question today, so you need to answer me. I'm not going to play. How many do you think he answered directly? All of them? Out of 183 direct, you can count this many on how many answered directly. And that's even left to interpretation. There's one person that says he really only answered three directly, and others say he answered about 10, you know. Yes, exactly, see? Yeah, so smart, man. They're, they're really listening, Steve. We've got it going on. On the other side of things, how many questions did Jesus ask? Recorded. 307 recorded questions. Because a lot of times he would answer with a question. And that was to provoke, what are you really asking? You know, it's like uh, one of the things I, I did... When we did the Bible college in Jerusalem, if a student had a question, my question to him was, okay, um, that's a good question, but I'm going to ask you the same question. So tomorrow when we all get together, you're going to answer your question because I'm not doing your homework for you. And I'll answer the question as well, but make sure you come with something. I just don't want you asking questions and me being your answer because let's see what it says. So I would always do that. But I just thought that was interesting that, you know, when you think about all of those things and how often Jesus taught by asking a question, totally kind of off the subject, it will relate, it will tie in. My question today, and I hope you don't skin me alive after we're all done, um, because, you know, church and politics don't mix, right? Well, I mean, we live in this world, so maybe in some ways they do. But I do have a, a question. And being uh, uh, um, an ignorant American, I guess I would put it, there's an election this year, right? And, like, who are the main leaders? What parties are they? 
<laughs> I, I haven't heard of the bandits. <laughs> Is that the whole coalition, you know? You said what? Labor and national, and they represent kind of most of New Zealand. They have the biggest share. Like we have, um, in America, we have Republicans and Democrats. Who's considered conservative? Who's considered liberal? Is there? National is more or less conservative, so that leaves labor as more liberal. Okay. And then, then there's greens, okay, all of that stuff. You know what? Rather than me ask you who to vote for, because that's going to be left up to each person's convictions, I think, um, I want to ask more of what should I be voting for? When what should we be voting for or, or, or looking for in a person who's a leader? Who's going to lead this nation, this country? Who's going to... I mean, it, it's kind of like in America, the last time I think they voted, they, they, uh, or a time before this last one, I think they voted for a CEO of a company to get the business end of things straightened out because he wasn't in it for the money. You know, because he didn't need he didn't need the money. That wasn't it. But when I look at this and I think about if I'm looking to 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 find equality or something like that, I mean, how is it that we as Christians, how should Doug, how should you, what do we look for in in one of those people? And and again, I'm looking for your your feedback. Give me something. Righteousness. Integrity. Okay, integrity. High morals. High morals. Um, you said righteousness. righteousness. Honesty. Honesty. Okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. I have a list here that I wrote down, but let me start checking off. Um, righteousness. Yeah. Okay. Christian values. Christian values. I mean, that's how I kind of always voted. Yeah, 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 they've got that package. You know, but I ended up finding, for me to vote in America, I had to vote for the lesser of two evils. Honestly. Because if I went down the God party or the God road, which I always ended up voting for, you know what, I didn't care if my vote wasn't going to count. I still voted for, because I have the right to vote, I had the ability to vote, I didn't vote for the lesser of two evils. I voted and said, you know what, Lord? This is the man who qualifies in, in what I see from your word for this position. And there were, there were a couple elections that that person wasn't really found. So I had to make a decision whether to vote or not. But anyway, back on to um, more qualities or, or characters or attributes. What else? Family man, okay. We've, we've had some folks who ran as a family man, but his kids, oh man, was daddy embarrassed. Seriously. It, yeah, they do, they do. 
But there were those that were kind of swept under the rug when the kids weren't even out of school yet, which a lot of those, it seems like the media was very kind. It did not bring the kids into it, so to say, who were underage. So that was, that was kind of a blessing. But it, it, there, you know, kids do have a part to play in it. What else? Family man? What's that? What's better for the country at the time? Um, he, he's relevant. He, he, he's not stuck. Okay? Wisdom? What else? God-fearing man. Okay. What? <laughs> I wasn't putting the odds out and the possibilities. What else would you look for? What's that? What money value is. Okay. So that being said, are you looking for a man who's greedy? The, the, the bottom line is the dollar and who cares who falls in the way of getting to that dollar? No. no. I've got on my list here. You know, someone who doesn't just follow the crowd or what's happening in the beltway, just doesn't follow the crowd or what's hot, but what's actually to the purpose and to the call. Somebody's got a great work ethic. Think about that. Out of, I won't say who it was, but one of our presidents... Out of 365 days of the year, he was on the golf course 300 times. Of course, that's where he did his work. And you know what? There probably was a lot of that stuff and a lot of back and forth. So, But that being said, you know, the example at the office, you know, yeah, he's there. huh? Empathy, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if I, I wasn't gonna go there, Val, but I haven't I have my notes right here. It says, What should we look for in a leader of our nation? And I have under there, regardless of nationality, color, or one of two genders that there are, male and female. Uh, it's there, but thank you, Val. I didn't have to do it. <laughs> what about what about a? I mean, would you want somebody? And and again, if this was your company, this is personal. This is you hiring somebody. You know, we're we're kind of getting an opportunity to hire somebody to run a country. But if it's your business, you're looking for all of the things that you said. And on top of that, it's like. Do you want somebody who's wild and rebellious, just like doesn't care and who cares? But guess what? He's a good businessman. He'll get it done. You want to hire that guy? Me neither. Huh? Okay, I agree. That's, that's a really good point. What about a guy who's a, a philanderer? 
guy who's got an eye for the ladies. He might be married, but you could see. Is that, does it matter? It does matter, doesn't it? At least to us it does. What about if he rips people's heads off at something he doesn't agree with? You want that guy running your company who's not going to be able to take and field a question and not rip his head off? What about somebody who's a bully? Trump has been called a bully like there's no tomorrow. And he is very bullish. I'll leave that. Um, and, it, and, and as well, if you're hiring somebody, you don't want somebody who's a druggie, a drunk, sauce all the time, not with it. Seriously, show up and somebody who's violent, not just hot-tempered, but would actually grab hold of somebody. What's that look like? I mean, you'd want somebody who's like a people person, who's got welcoming, you know? It's like giving everybody a shot and a chance and, and to allow, oh, to be in your presence, you don't know. But somebody who's welcoming and doesn't hold their position in that place, somebody who's not a fan of evil. Yeah. Well, just to distinguish between good and evil. I mean, that, that, that's something in and of itself. A guy who's got a grip on himself. Yeah? He's got control of himself and his situation. <laughs> you don't have to worry about sending him out in public. You don't, you're not worried about him being the front man of your company or your country. That would be somebody. He's got a great work ethic. You know, he's, he's, he's got his, his disciplines down. And you... Yeah. Getting that big head, and it's all about him and whatever it takes to keep that. Honoring his word. Being a man of his word. Um, and that leads to having a good reputation. You know, if you're that, your reputation stays above the fray. We're looking for people that are like that. And you know what? We, we also want somebody that's going to represent our product that we're selling if, we're, if it's a company. And we want somebody who represents New Zealand well, instead of becoming the laughingstock of the world. That would, that would say they represent what we believe in. And again, that's getting more and more frayed all the time, isn't it? Man, to have somebody that would come in and all of these things we've said and put in place... We need, they need Jesus, we need Jesus, they all need Jesus. 
Wouldn't it be great if everybody had those attributes, attributes that we talked about? Um, you know, there, there, there's, there's something to that. I, I think there's something to that. I mean, wives, wouldn't you like your hubby to, uh, to exhort all of those attributes? I'm not going to ask you husbands about the wives because you need a place to sleep tonight. Because <laughs> if you answer wrong, you're in trouble. Now, but you would. You'd want your hubby to be, to be in that place. You know what? All of these things we'd want from a, a CEO or, or from somebody who's leading our country, I want to see it in myself. I want to see it in my kids. That means I should do that in front of them that they might at least have half a shot other than what they might be seeing out in this world. You know, I would love to have that boss. That is all of those things. And again, we do have that in Jesus of everything that we're looking for. There's a perfect example. And you know what? Not only that, just if we all would live like that, what would this place be like? Heaven, yeah, is it going to happen here if we read the end of the book? Eventually, there's going to be a king, and there's going to be a kingdom that nobody's embarrassed about, and it's going to be ruled properly, and we're going to get to be a part of it. And he's looking forward, this leader's looking forward to us, to be a part of it, and we get to take part in it. Hallelujah. I can't wait. His kingdom come, His will be done. I'm looking forward to that. Would you say that this list, semi-list, if we really thought about it and wrote them all down, is this a tall order to fill for any one person? I agree. I agree. I mean, I would wish to do that. Okay, enough with politics. Or, or, or thank you for helping me out that I'm not on the wrong page of what I'm looking for. Um, and again, if you want to tell me who you think I should vote for, you can tell me that. Um, that would be great. But all of the religious stuff aside, okay, get your Bibles and open up to Titus. Open up to Titus. And I'm going to have, um, I want to read Titus chapter 1. And I'm going to read um, verses 4 through, through 9. But before I do that, what is, when was the last time you read Titus? I heard last year. That means you do a, a yearly reading Bible <laughs> in the reading plan. Very good. That's awesome. You've seen on this sheet as well on the back side. I just, you know, here's the times. How long does it take to read Titus? What's it say here? Seven minutes. When I did it on my, the, the guy who reads the Bible for me on my app that I have, it was six minutes and 21 seconds. He read it to me. Doug takes about nine minutes. And even after that, it's like, oh, what did I read? Hence, I also have Christine up here reading a little bit today. Um, just be, so that you can catch it. Because Doug, you know, I don't know if it's dyslexia, but I, I start reading and I get to about... I'm about at word five, and I should be saying it out of my mouth at word three, and I have to go back and correct myself. Anyway, 
I think it's better if you hear it directly and straightforward. Um, Titus. Who's Titus? Titus was a Gentile. He spent a lot of time with Paul. They did amazing journeys. I mean, they say Paul put in about 16,000 kilometers worth of traveling in his missionary journeys. And that's by foot and by boat and, and stuff like that. That's quite a bit. If you were to go around New Zealand's coastline with what you can today, as close as you can to the coast, it's about 15,000 kilometers. So think about that trip. Think about the Cape, Cape Brianna, to the bluff and back five times. That was their trip. They spent a lot of time together. Not that Titus was with them all of that time, but going to Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Jerusalem, all these different places, they spent time together and all the stuff that was happening. Just read Corinthians, what was happening. Titus was a part of that. So Paul gets Titus now, and he's in a position to where uh, Paul, at some point in time, we don't get a record of it even, that he was in Crete, and he started some churches. And he needed this thing to be picked back up and dealt with and get it in order. Because he kind of left, whether it was midstream or, or whatever the story is and all of that, but he had a trusted man named Titus, a son in the Lord, that he says, a son and a true son in the Lord, that was his. So he probably came to the Lord under Paul's ministry and spent all that time. Hence, we pick up in Titus chapter 1. Christine, would you verse, read verse 4 through 9? To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. We've got, as well as in Timothy, in these pastoral epistles, epistles we have this list of what elders, overseers, pastors are held to. Is anything here similar to maybe our list that we had for our leaders of our country and our CEO? Hard task. Can be. That's quite a tall order to fill for a person in this place. We expect it and we would love it out of our leaders or our spouses or our kids or even our bosses. We want it out of every Christian. But these are the very requirements we see here for elders or overseers in the church. And, you know, I looked at this and I thought, you know what, at one point in time I used to sit out there and just kind of hold back. And I'm like, I'm glad I'm not one of them because I start seeing some of the stuff they go through. Whew, 
Good luck living up to that. I'm glad I don't have to, is what I would say. I'm glad they have to and not me. And sometimes it's like, what is he doing in that position anyway? You know, I just, once you get to know somebody, it seems like sometimes that happens, but then where's the grace of God in all of this? You know what, other times it's like, you know what, this is, this is impossible. How's somebody supposed to be like this perfect? But the grace of God, but God, but God and but His grace. It says not to receive the grace of the Lord in vain. Grace is an empowerment. If you can receive it worthlessly, that means you can receive it with power as well. If you're not supposed to take it worthlessly in vain, that amounts to nothing, that means it should be something. And it amounts to something. Grace is an empowerment. And you know what? That's the only way a leader, a pastor, will get through all of this. And you know what? Then there's other parts of me that were, once I got to know and see some of the stuff that happens and, and, and be a part of, I got to pray for these men. I got to pray for these men. Think of this list that's here and putting all that together and working in that. But these guys have been chosen by God. These guys are chosen by God to fill that place. Just like Titus was charged by Paul, you know what? I've left. I need order put in place, and I need you to put overseers in. People are going to oversee the churches that are here. Pretty good size island, lots of ports, lots of people in these ports, and... and and again, Cretans were, the people from Crete were recognized back in Acts chapter 2. At that day on Pentecost, they were there, and obviously they went back home. Somewhere along the way, Paul said, you know what, got to go there. And somewhere along the way, it's time for you, Titus, to, to take over what I couldn't do, what I didn't get to finish, which we read. And... Looking at this in the bookends of, of this charge of Paul in verse 5, um, which says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains to be done and appoint elders in every city. And then the bookend to that is verse 9. Why? Um, what I want you to do? Teaching them to hold firmly to the faith, the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, with sound doctrine so that these overseers will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Just in this, these two little bookends, or, or just verse 9, the task alone to set in order what's out of order, that happening in churches, to appoint elders... Now you've got to go through this list and say, hmm, I wonder who, and not the easiest task. Hold firmly to the Word. We know we want somebody who holds firmly to the Word, don't we? Otherwise, why are we standing up here? Exhort with sound doctrine and teaching, and to be able to stop and refute those who contradict it, not in the sense of beat them down, kick them out, 
it's so that they walk away with sound doctrine. That's the idea behind that. Um, there's plenty of things that the Bible talks about, and that's what this sheet is for. So if you've got this sheet, let's go to the other side. I'm going to have Christine read through. And I gave you the sheet. You can do it in your Bible, but if you can turn quick enough to the location, more power to you. But I don't have all the time in the world to wait to listen for pages to stop shuffling. So we're going to go through, but you do it each, either way you want. That's why I took the time to put it on here so that you can read along with Christine. I want you to see these things in black and white because there's some do's. There's a lot of do's for a pastor above and beyond just this list of looking after yourself. There's a lot of do's to do. And there's some don'ts in the list too. There's warnings, bewares, all of those things. So just look at this and again... This is, this is what we would call pastors, and, and, and New Zealand's very keen on elders, and then there's pastors and overseers, so whatever flavor you're from, look at it in this light, and you know what? And with all of that said, and all of these things to do, you still have a family, you still have a job. Maybe cows to go or, or bulls to go running after. Um, kids, prayer meeting, visitations, and the list. And, and, and just some of these verses that are here. Go ahead, Christine. Um, Ephesians, yeah, we're going to start at the top and we're just going to go down through. Ephesians chapter 4. Go ahead. Ephesians 4, 11 to 14. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and of the knowledge of the Son of God to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Hmm, just with that alone, equip the saints, equip them with the knowledge of the Son of God, so that they grow up into the full stature and the fullness of Christ, so they're no longer children carried away by every wind of doctrine. No big deal. Next verse. Acts 20, verses 28 and 29. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Beware, for fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. It, it doesn't take any to care for the church of God and to watch out for yourself and the flock because fierce wolves are out there. Next. 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 to 4. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Next. 1 Peter 5, 1-3. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to, of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, 
not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Mm. Ezekiel 34, 1-5. Yeah. Yep. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. Hmm. Hebrews thirteen seventeen to 18. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honourably in all things. Hmm. In the beginning of that, I wrote on my little thing here, it says, Doug, obey your leaders and submit. I put it personally. You know how we did it at Bible study? You know, you put yourself in, yeah, tough one right there. But that's, that's, that's my part. Go ahead, Timothy. 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 18. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Hmm. James 3, 1 and 2. And a warning for us who think we can do it better and these guys need to be perfect. Now, that, that was my note. <laughs> That's, a dice. That's oh. my note. Oh. <laughs> That's what I would have said. I was going to read these at first. Go ahead. Oh, read that again, though. And a warning for us who think we can do it better and these guys need to be perfect. I was just thinking, I've never read that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Doug. Uh, uh, Doug's Doug, insert. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the book Sorry. of Fleshalonians. <laughs> uh, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. Mm. We all stumble in many ways. And again, the guys who stand up here every week, who go about the week with doing stuff we don't even know. We couldn't add up the hours. And there's other guys, guess what, who don't do this very well as well. I'm glad that we have um, some guys here who really do it well. And I look at this, and, and we went over just in these things, these verses we read, you know, some of the things that are supposed to be done. Set things in order. Keep things in order. Have their kids in their house in their order. To appoint elders, hold firmly to the word. Don't let it go for nothing. Exhort with sound doctrine. Be of good reputation, be humble, be hospitable, be, uh, um, be a man of good reputation, uh, be self-controlled, be upright, be holy, set apart, be disciplined, be ready to rebuke and contradict sound teaching, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, equip the saints for the knowledge, with the knowledge of the Son of God, equip the saints 
to the fullness of the measure of Christ. Equip the saints so that they no longer are children tossed and carried off by every wind of doctrine. They're supposed to pay careful attention to themselves. Not just themselves, but the flock as well. Be careful. There's wolves out there. Care for the church, who the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer of. Protect the church from those wolves. Preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all patience and teaching. Not a hard one. Warn false teachers and about false teaching. Make the flock aware of those which you find in, in Timothy and you find in Titus, those of the legalism crowd. Beware, the Pharisee group, the, uns, the circumcised group is what Paul would tell them. Warn of the judgment to come, and so on, and so on, and so on. There's all of these things. You know what? I, I want to say this, and this is from my heart, and I'm glad that the pastors here don't forfeit the pulpit on Sunday, the little time that we have, maybe even stumping for a campaign or for a leader of a nation, that can be done all week, the rest of the week. I'm glad this time isn't forfeited for that, to get all political. I know I started out kind of with political thing, but it was to bring out a point. And you know what? Like, we can get stuck on so many things, and, and we, I would... Oh, what's going to happen? A one-world currency is coming and stuff. The International Monetary Fund, is that important? Absolutely. But do I want to have an hour's worth of the speculations and the possibilities and how that's going to come about happening here? Especially with the charge that was laid on what an overseer is supposed to be about. That stuff's important. And you know what? And there may be people that are sitting here who are blessed and gifted in that. Have a meeting. I think it's great. I'd love to come because I don't take the time to look into all of that stuff. And there's people who do. And they're out there, I think, probably spreading the message of all of these things and warning people. I think it's great. But again, with all of that being said, I don't want to forfeit the pulpit. I wouldn't expect my, my leader to forfeit the pulpit for that. You know, like uh, other things, you know, climate change. We could spend and debate from here, back and forth, all we want. But is that good time, good steward of the Lord's word in what he's given to be done here? Important? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I take such a, uh, I take such a, a big view of those things. I think climate change. I know Revelation said there's going to be a day that there's really big climate change, and I know that our emissions and our cars or whatever it is is not going to thwart the fact that there is going to be a day of climate change, and they're not going to get ahead of God's plan and stop this earth from doing anything. So, and and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but you know what? Nobody's going to get ahead of God's plan and the timing of things and those who need to be in charge and those who he appoints to bring about his plan. I can speculate and try to, but you know what? Please don't forfeit this pulpit to bring that about. Bring us the word of God. Amen? Amen.
And you know what? The other reason why I gave you these things, does anybody ever pray the Word? Like, kind of pray? Yeah? How about a week's challenge? How about praying this? How about praying the Word for our pastors, for our overseers? Just right here. You know, and then there's others you can think of as well. In hand, something to look at, something else on the back to get you a kick in the pants to get reading and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, guys, I just want to encourage you with that. And um, yeah, I just think how blessed we are for what we have. Wow. I'm just blown away. Lord, thank you for for that which stands here and represents you um, with these guys, and, and namely Steve and Jake, and, and the guys who are behind him, the supports, the, those people that are praying all of the time, Lord, thank you how much it's needed to, to live up to and to walk in, in the standards you've set that everybody can look up to. Just like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. May that be said of all of us. None of us are excluded really from this list. We want it from our leaders. We want it from our kids. Lord, help us to to want to be it ourselves. So we just look to you, and I I thank you for um, setting, uh, giving us this letter of Titus to be able to see these things and that you would say to this young man, Titus, here's what I want you to do. And yeah, and the blessing of the book and and not just oversight, but looking after the church of God in chapter two and and just giving us all something to look forward to in chapter three of it. Thank you, Father. We bless you. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your spirit even this day. Amen.